to another edition of the NCBI podcast. I'm June Tinsley, Head of Communications with NCBI. Um, and as a part of this series of podcasts today, I um, have the pleasure of talking to Josh, Josh Farrell's father, Kevin. Um, Josh is, uh, uses our services and he is nine years of age. So um, he's obviously at school at the minute, but uh, his dad, Kevin, is here to, to join me. So thanks very much, Kevin. No bother. Thanks for having me. Great, great, great. Um, well, I suppose if you could just tell our listeners um, just a little bit of background on Josh and when you noticed that Josh had an issue with his uh, vision. Okay, well, uh, just before he came into the world, actually, my wife got this feeling, you know, a mother's instinct. She said she got a feeling there's something different. And then the second he came into the world, she said, has has he got albinism? And I was like, Jesus, uh, I had that colour here. I think he's, he's grand. But then... She she needed to know before we left the hospital when she had him initially. So um, when he was four days old in the hospital just before we left, uh, Dr. Brosnan from Crumlin, uh, he came up from Crumlin Hospital and uh, he brought him into the room to do the diagnosis and he came out and said, yeah, Josh has albinism. And that's when we found out before we, we went home with him. Wow, so, that's very profound that your uh, wife had such a strong instinct that something was awry. Yeah. And she was dead right. She and she got another lovely feeling before she had him as well about we were going to win money in the lotto. And I was <laughs> like, No, I'm not wasting money on, on a quick pick. Like, Jesus, uh, let's go. And we were, <clears throat> I remember so well, we were in Blessing at the Dunn stores, and it was at, in the middle of being out of it and in the store, shop. And she goes, No, I'm telling you. And I was like, All right, come on. Uh, so I said, You want give us a win of numbers there, a quick pick there. She goes, Grand. So we drove home. Christine fell asleep uh, the next the next morning, and uh, I just went into the local. Petrol station and I just scanned the ticket and these long numbers come up and I was like, what the hell is this? And I said, sorry, what is this here? And I said, oh, you won 2,000 or 4 euro. Is that good? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Her. She's obviously yeah, a bit of a so psychic. She's, oh, she's something going on there anyway. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. Um, bit of cash certainly helped you out, I'm sure. Oh, it did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure getting that diagnosis when he was only four days old was overwhelming to say the least it was yeah it's not it's not a condition that's uh w- widespread if you know what i mean I, i'm not mm-hmm. using the, the right word there but like to be other disabilities if you like uh that would be more commonly known to yes. uh, to everybody but this wasn't so god love uh yeah my wife uh was looking up the internet and everything and all the wrong information you know that wouldn't make you feel good was was coming up so and then, you know, you'd have the worries then of when he gets old. And then she, she went through it all, like when he was like when he was literally born for the first few weeks and months, like of, of all the worrying, what could happen to him and the bullying and all this sort of crack. And unfortunately, that was an aspect that did happen to him then. He was actually only in junior events and he was severely bullied. Like he was oh. getting muck shoved down his pants and he was uh, pulled onto the ground and kicked and everything and told he was blind and dumb. And that oh. went on for two weeks. And eventually we got it all sorted. And uh, I always, <clears throat> I went through stuff years ago myself, so I always try and look at stuff like when there's a problem, there's a solution. So I just asked him. He'd be a very placid child. <clears throat> he wouldn't be into, you know, anything like too adventurous or anything like that. And he'd be really relaxed. And I said, would you like to learn how to do karate um, after what you went through? And he said, I wouldn't want to, I don't want to hit anybody though. Do I have to do that? And he said, no, no. I said, you can learn all the moves. So he's gone on to do karate. And he's on the blue 
the blue stripe belt now and he's been in six competitions doing all his moves and he's won six medals. I think he's won I think three gold and two silver and one bronze, something like that. Fair play to him. So he's he's a great kid, I have to say. So I know everybody will say it and, and everybody that says it about the kids uh, means it, like, like myself. I'm so proud of him, so is Christine and his brother and sister. Yeah, and rightly so. Just, he's an inspiration, to be honest with you. And tell us, in terms of um, those kind of early days, was there much support to help you as parents kind of navigate through what albinism meant for Josh or much about the condition or supports that are available to you? Well, we we didn't know where to go and I can't remember now. I think, I'm nearly sure Christine found the NCBI online. I think that's where she found it or maybe a friend told her or something. Um, but we rang the, uh, the NCBI uh, when he was four months old and then uh, Jean McKiernan, they called out. And uh, I think because of our personality and everything, like Meadows feel really relaxed and she knew what she was talking about as well. And like I remember so well, he was sitting in the the bouncing chair, you know, the the things to to sit in and they're strapped into and it just bounces up and down. Bouncer, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, he was there bouncing away. She goes, look at him there. She's bouncing away. There won't be a bother on him. And I remember then taking him out before she left and holding him and looking at him. And I was a bit emotional myself uh, going, I I don't, but you see, see the way like he's looking here. I don't even know if he can see me now, or if he's following me, because he wasn't actually fixing and following at that age. So then, but but aside that, she assured us, you know, she's dealt with people that are, you know, teenage years and all that sort of stuff, and they've gone through school, and some of them play football, other people don't play football. There's there's lots of stuff out there. There's loads of technology available, so I wouldn't be worrying you. There's no worries. And we're here to support you all the way, and you have been. Like he's nine now, and uh, then going back to the fixing and following thing. That was a thing. Then you know you're coming up to the tests with the public health nurse and all that sort of stuff, and then you're saying, "Oh, just how do we get this going?" So I, I remember I looked up something saying black and white stripes is a uh, a way to to go. So I remember Christine had like a, a zebra shaped purse, so I just grabbed that and put him sitting up in the corner of the couch, and I did it and. He immediately fixed and followed, and I was like, oh, maybe that's just a coincidence. And I did it a few times, and I said, oh, my God, I can't believe he's doing it. So then I got Christine on shoulder, and the two of us were emotional, and we were so, just so happy. Like, Yes, exactly, because it showed then that he was able to focus in on, on images and shapes and contrasts yeah. and things like that. Yeah. And especially it's very hard when the children as young as that are, of course, pre-verbal, so they can't tell you what they see. Yeah, that, that 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 made it hard as well. And then we noticed as he was growing up <clears throat> around the area here, he had a an awful, uh, he had a couple of awful falls where like he still has like scars and just underneath his kneecaps that would be there for life because the cuts were so deep. Right. And one time he was playing in another area and he fell and uh, hit his head off a concrete beam and it was there was a big lump coming out of his head and everything because you see he he wouldn't be able to see as well as as us like him. I'm nearly sure his vision is, uh, I think it's 5% or less in one eye, and I think it's 10% or 8% in the other eye, something like that. And obviously with the albinism, he has the nystagmus. So, yeah. like, I'd be looking at him watching the TV and, and, and trying to do his homework and everything, and the head constantly moving side to side, and I'd be like, well, fair play to you, like, you're doing amazing. And, like, the NCBI have been there as well to help us through school with him, like, you know, 
and then bring him up to the centre as well to do assessments on him, uh, see what he needs and what works best for him. And, and they're very good. Like, and then I think it's Mary Bourne was one of them. And then has, oh, her name is there, but I just can't say it. I know. I think <laughs> she does work up in the dock as well. The, as well, she the two them two ladies were excellent. We spent maybe could be four hours in the centre, but like took took breaks, you know, for Josh's eyes. Yeah, they will help us what he needs for school, like to get him through school, and we're waiting on another piece now to come to really help him. And we'd be lost without support in NCBI, to be honest with you. It's just great to know you can pick up the phone and ring them, and they're always so reassuring, like. Which is great, which is great. And obviously, in terms of school, what kind of um, aids do, does Josh use on a daily basis? <clears throat> well, at the moment, he's waiting for it to come into school. It hasn't arrived yet. Uh, I forget what you call it. It's It's some sort of computer that he can put his books underneath to take a photograph and then when his eyes are tired because he went through a thing there where her, his eyes got really sore and, and barny and watering and then he had involuntary twitching going on in his eye and the, and the top side of the right side of his mouth because okay. of all the overuse of his eye so yes. um we've been waiting now a long time to get this going but eventually it's it's on its way anyway she'll be here in the next few weeks a computer where you put the book underneath it or else take a photograph of what the teacher writes on the board and then when his eyes are sore or tired he can press audio or something like that and it'll read it to him so he, he won't miss out and he can do his homework on it as well so but for now what's happening is uh based on his assessment with mary uh he gets everything put on yellow matte paper and font size is 48 and then that way he can read it himself like the way we okay. can read uh, and as quick as we can read so uh, that's the way he does it and then if he feels tired then I'll take over and read the questions out to him for, for um, maths but then another actual uh, thing that we noticed was if he um, uh, that actually Mary picked up in that assessment was he wouldn't be able for long periods of reading so what to do is in the school when they're doing reading like they'll take a bit of turns reading He'll do it in the school, but for homework, he, where the other kids are doing 15 minutes reading, uh, it was a cider from last year. What he'll do is he uses word lists, say a Dolce list. I think they go up to, I don't know, 14 or 17 or something like that. But he yeah. looks over all these lists and he says the words and and he just, just to keep the words in his head. So when he is reading, that he sees the words and he's recognising them and he can read it then. Because yeah. if he was reading, he just gets sore and eyes and tired, you know. It would be too much of a strain. Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah, yeah. And tell me, Kevin, in terms of um, during the lockdown with the school closed and stuff, um, they weren't, school, of course, weren't able to provide the facility of having everything on the yellow paper at, at 48 font. So how did you as a family cope with school, homeschooling? Not only Josh, but uh, your other children too. That's a challenge. Yeah. Oh, that was great, Crack. So it was. <laughs> yeah, we all love I'm a teacher myself. <laughs> Count to 10. One, two, uh, money messing. Uh, yeah, no, what what happened there was, you see, the school, uh, his last his last teacher, she was very good as well, and all uh, all the people that were involved on the SNA team as well, that, that uh, he just get help from as well, they they all, they had stuff in place, and if they didn't, then they, they either posted out or, or uh, popped in the post box. They were very, very good, now I have to say. Like, the, the school has been very supportive from, from day one, like, so really? we did have like the word lists and any ones that he ran out of then as the weeks on then that popped up more or sent him in the post. So when he was doing his maths, like I'd read out the questions to him. 
Yeah. And then, like, he was able to do the drawing, like, you know, any drawings of pictures he loves drawing anyway. Uh, yeah, and then... It's his very brother, artistic, his, Yeah, he, he just, he loves drawing, and himself and his brother, uh, they got me to help them do, uh, they come up with characters. I remember uh, Josh did a thing uh, with RT there, with, with the NCBA once, one time, and they were asking him, what's he love doing, and what's he going to do, and all this, and he said he wants to make... Uh, a movie and it's going to be called The Blue Knight so he wanted to put together a comic now I, I got I, I did the drawings for him and then I I don't know how I figured it out but I figured out how to make them real small and get, go to Google Images and get backgrounds and plop them all into it and then put text in it so I put together a little Facebook page uh, just called his brother's name is Dylan so and he's Joshua DJ Comics and I just put together half the comic. Now there's there's loads loads of work in it, so I didn't get near any more of it. So we did that during the lockdown as well. Perfect. And um, he, uh, J- Josh and Dylan put together the whole story, all of it, word for word. And uh, I have to say, he's he's very he's a great imagination. I love it. Long may it last. In fairness, and I presume Josh is happy to be back at school now. Oh yeah, he's very academic as well. He loves going to school. Loves it. And the Good. teachers even said, uh, even his new teacher said, Just Josh has a, quite a flair for the Irish and the maths and all. So, oh, fair play to him. He loves it. Good, 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 good. And tell me, from a parent's perspective, what do you think has been the, the greatest help for Josh over the last nine years? Um, well, to be honest with you, I couldn't single out anything. I say it's the multitude of everything. Okay. I say that it's, it's down to himself as well, like even the teachers do say it as well. He's he's a he's a confident child, which we're lucky as well. That he's no problem from day one, from junior, Stephen putting his hand up and saying, "I can't see this," or "I need help," or "The light is hurting my eyes," or "I need my hand glasses." Like he'd he couldn't fight in friends in the playground, right? With yeah. his vision, he w- wouldn't be able to find anyway. So then they come up with an idea of putting up a minions uh, sign on the wall, and that's the friendship stop sign. So if you see Josh or anybody there, come and pick them up and don't leave them by yourself. So then this one of this a girl that's still in this class noticed that from junior friends, and she used to always stand there and wait till everybody was going out and bring him out and make sure he'd always he, she'd either be with him or he'd be with some friends and and they're still great friends and still in the same class so like there's another girl that she got to know she's a great help visiting teacher in pre, from preschool all the people in preschool NCBI um, his family everybody so I couldn't single out anything I just I think everything and then I said himself just being able to say what he needs when he doesn't need that because I remember when we were in Crumlin Hospital Dr. Brazen he just looked at us and he said now remember Josh's albinism but treat him the same as any child and that's it as simple as that and let let Josh guide you and let Josh guide you and those words stuck with me and that's what he does. He actually guides us, and we're learning all the time. Like he, he had an awful fall off his bike when he eventually got going, took the stabilizers off, and he got going. Then he had an awful fall, knocked his front tooth out, blew it all over the road, and he um, said, "I never want to cycle a bike again." And uh, I was like, "Right, no problem. You don't have to do what you don't want to do." And then we, thank God, we found out it was an extra adult tooth he knocked out, so he did himself a favor. So, <laughs> see, maybe he's like his mummy, he's psychic, and he knew that, so he just wanted to get rid of it. But uh, then he, um, then, then what he did there recently was, you know, in tour class to do the cycle training in school. As soon as yes. he seen this letter, he said, 
that he has seen his letter, you know, it's about and he was a bit emotional. He said, I don't want to do it. And I said, don't worry, you don't have to. So Sain didn't said he didn't want to do whatever. So then the principal actually came to me the other morning, because he only did it there yesterday. He came to me, I think it was Tuesday morning. He said, uh, just so you know, the people that do this, um, they have bikes with stabilizers or else they're the bikes without pedals. And it'll just help them balance. So I'll have a word and see if you want to do it, if you don't mind. I say, oh, that's not a problem at all. So he had a word, and then I was chatting to him. I said, yeah, I don't mind trying it out. So I went to pick him up from school yesterday, and the, the first words I was met wasn't hello or nothing. It was, Daddy, I want a bike. Yeah. Like, oh, that's great. So he got on well, and he said, yeah. Uh, I even went back cycling. Remember the way he used to cycle bikes without stable? I said, yeah, I'm back cycling and everything. And then Christine was actually telling me, he said to the lad that was doing it, something like, I've never felt so alive when he started cycling. And then your man said, I'm going to go in and write that down and rob that. And you. I and love that confidence. Well done, Josh. Yeah. So he told, me, he, he told me he wants a blue and white mountain bike now, off Santee. Dead right. Dead right. Well, you're, you're, as you rightly say, albinism will always be a part of him, but it'll never fully define him. No, definitely not, no. He, yeah. he like... He has he has his all all his own goals and vision, and they always tell him like you know it'd be a, uh, and his mammy and anybody around him telling him you can do anything you want in this life and nobody can ever tell you you can't and the NCBI has helped give us that confidence as well like um, no matter what way your vision is there's always aids out there to do it it's like he he lo- he wants to do films so there's this camera he got out of his uh, communion money called a kitty zoom and it comes with a green screen so he got his uh, figures from Dragon Ball Super and put them. He couldn't see his hand. He made a little film and did devices and everything. And the green screen made it look like they're out in in, in space. And so he was acting out his own thing. So even a friend of mine, uh, that myself and himself were the co-founders of Aberfest. I don't know if you ever heard of that. We do. It's a music and arts festival for people with disabilities. So he he's actually uh, a videographer himself. Shay and he said, uh, "Wouldn't that be amazing, though, for like Josh to like he follow his dream and be able to do what he wants to do, and even with his visual impairment, to be able to show people that you can do it no matter what, you know?" Very much so. Very much so. And in terms of your the Ablefest, obviously COVID affected that this year. Um, oh yeah. But I hope it'll be back next year, big and strong. Please God, because like last year was only our second year ever, and three thousand people came to, and we do. Like all the advertising just through Facebook, you know. And then I, I actually set up another event myself. Then um, there was meant to go ahead in March. Was a uh, able sport, or was the only sports sports uh, challenge course for people with uh, disabilities. Right. So I had all that ready to go, and uh, tickets were sold and all. But uh, before the announcement came of you know cancelled off, I just went me gosh, I just cancelled it. So we have a few other things planned. So hopefully when this coronavirus decides to bugger off, we'll get going again. So, but the only thing is we don't know when that is, as you. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately not, unfortunately not. But to be fair, um, the, the lineup of um, performers you had at Ablefest last year were very um, significant. So I hope that it, it grows year on year for you. Yeah, please God. Actually, look, we keep, keep positive. It'll all work out whenever it's meant to. It is, that's true, that's true. And I suppose lastly, Kevin, if I can just ask you, um, is there any piece of advice that you would give to other parents whose child might recently have been diagnosed with a visual impairment? Well, the first thing I would recommend for any parent to do it has a child with albinism is ring the NCBI. That's the first thing I'd recommend. Because 
the people in there, they some of them like uh, have families. Some of them might know, might have known people that went through similar stuff, and they're professionals as well. They know what they're talking about, and they give you the reassurance that you need and what we needed. I, I wish I knew them when I was leaving the hospital that day to ring them straight away. Um, but look, at, uh, I'm delighted that I know the NCBA now, and that's the advice I'd give any parent, to be honest with you. And then also as well, to the advice that I was given from Dr. Brosnan and Crum is uh, treat your child the same, no matter no matter what. No matter, and I'd, I'd even personally say, no matter what disability your child has, from you know being involved in all these events as well, and talking to other parents, one thing that uh, I'll never forget, a woman come up say, to me saying, the very first year of Fest, she said to me, Be, anywhere we go, uh, people just stare at us. And then when we come here, we feel normal. Nobody's looking at us. And we can just yeah. have a good time. But as a parent of a child with a disability, I'd say to any parent out there, enjoy your child the same as the brother, as, as you're enjoying your other son and daughter. Uh, because every child is the same. They all have dreams. And they all have a vision of what they want to do. Um, and just enjoy it all. Yeah, that's very sound advice in fairness. Um, and very practical um, and and loving in equal measure, which is important. And I yep. suppose just for um, listeners, if they do want to access NCBI services, they can do that through our info line, which is 1850 33 So listen, Kevin, thanks very much for your time. Um, it's been a, a joy to hear how Josh has been getting on for the last number of years um, and a pleasure to hear that NCBI has, has helped out on that journey. But he certainly sounds like a very... Um, confident, resilient, and, and happy li- little man. Anyway, so fair play to fair play to you. No matter. Thanks a million for having us.